Hello and welcome to The Sweetest Little Life. I am so glad you're here. I am your host, Courtney Hansen. With each week, we will have exciting new guests to grow spiritually, develop personally, and learn how to step into our purpose authentically. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 30 minutes of connection with the mind, body, and spirit. Today is for the empaths. We are talking with Sarah and she is sharing her story, her walk of life, her vulnerability, and you are sure to leave inspired. And as an empath, I wanted to draw a card before this podcast episode just because I feel it's going to resonate with so many women who are just feeling the vast amount of emotions coming off of a lockdown, coming off of having to go back to peopling. And the card that I drew is from a deck. We recently went to Monterey this past weekend for Mother's Day, a little ocean therapy. And we went to this metaphysical shop and I was so drawn to this Oracle deck. I had to get it. So I totally splurged. And today I wanted to do a collective draw and it was seek your answers within in this beautiful picture of this bear. And I wanted to read you what it says. If you find yourself confused, your intuition and inner voice drowned out by the answers, wisdom and advice of others, then it is time for you to step away. Withdraw to a place of solitude. Like the bear, it is time for you to hibernate, to go within and seek the void, to embrace the silence that dwells within. Within that silence are the answers to your questions, and because they are answers born of your truths, they will always answer that move you forward instead of holding you still. I recently have been faced with something that was really uncomfortable. I had a lot of fear around it, and I really had to face it head on and create space within my life where there was no space. And I wanted to just share with you today that if you are in a season where you're feeling pulled in a thousand directions, it is always okay to take a time out, to pull away, to drop something. Because when we create space, what it does for the universe is it's a vacuum for our manifestations. It pulls in what we want. But if our plate is constantly full, if we're constantly running on E, then the universe knows that we can't handle anymore. And so today I want to encourage you as you listen to this episode Where are you not making space? Where are you acting out of fear instead of out of faith? Without further ado, let's welcome Sarah to the show. Sarah, happy Friday. I'm so excited to have you on The Sweetest Little Life today. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm also excited it's Friday and we have good weather where I am. So I'm just, yeah, delighted to be here. Oh my goodness, same. It's been like 40s lately, and then today it's supposed to be 70. I swear in California, we have no seasons anymore. It's just winter (laughs) to summer. It really affects my mood. I'm in Michigan now, and I just feel so much better when the sun is shining. So I'm in a sunshiny day to today. I feel that on so many levels. (laughs) So I love to kick off the podcast and just hear your journey, how you stepped into your dharma, and really what was the catalyst to get you where you are right now and what that right now looks like. Yes. I was just telling you that I could talk about my journey and my story for hours and hours and hours, but if I were to condense it, I would start by saying that I've learned my truth is that you were 
healing pathway inevitably leads you to your soul's purpose or that that dharma. Uh, for me, that looked like many years, over 15 years of being challenged by chronic illness and several autoimmune diseases that I thought had nothing to do with uh, where I am today or like what I was going to end up seeking out as far as like my passion and my desire and ultimately like this business that I run and my career now. But those things absolutely impacted the way in which I see the world and the way in which I take care of myself. Uh, And, you know, my story starts in seventh grade and just having no answers for what was happening as far as my physical symptoms. I saw 17 doctors by the time I was 17, finally started to get some diagnoses, fibromyalgia, celiac disease. I had parasites that traveled to my brain. Um, I've got vitiligo. I've got, you know, all these things that um, were physical symptoms. And in my journey, I also came to realize that while addressing the physical symptoms was helpful, supportive, beneficial, many of those physical symptoms also had emotional roots to them. And uh, I learned what an empath was in that process and that I am a highly sensitive person, a spongy empath who feels all the feels and (laughs) has a tendency to absorb other people's emotions, even physical pain, especially people who are close to me and just really like things started to click on why I felt the way I was, why I was more susceptible to things like autoimmune disease and chronic illness. And through an emotional healing journey, I built so many tools in my toolbox to ultimately get where I am today, running a business that does support empathic women of the world, um, especially empathic entrepreneurs through many different modalities. And I also train practitioners in some of those modalities. And the other layer I would just add is that grief um, deepened my level of emotional intelligence, my ability to feel all the big things I feel as an empath. I lost my brother Jordan um, almost seven years ago, uh, and it was an unexpected death. He, uh, He took his own life, and that was a shock to my entire system. And then um, just a couple years later, my brother Joe also died and the like insurmountable loss of both my brothers really shook my world and, and invited me to crumble down in order to rebuild a life that was filled with sweetness and intention and um, now I'm, I'm a new mom. I, my daughter, I say new, but it's been a year. <laughs> so uh, my daughter's a year as of this past weekend. And um, I'm using so many of these tools as a mother now too. And just how I intentionally live my life um, versus before I just feel like I was um, distracted and always busy and just I didn't slow down. So it feels really good to have so many tools now to be able to slow down, to be able to feel all the feelings and not label them as bad. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. So many layers. And I couldn't agree more. I feel like the healing really is our catalyst when we can get to that broken part to be vulnerable, to be able to be built back up to whatever that journey is. And it's, it's hard there. It's messy so messy so unsexy (laughs) yes it's not the sexy part spirituality but we all have to go through it 
Um, with, with your modalities, I would love to hear about what you practice, how you practice it, and how maybe the audience can begin to practice some of these things within their lives if they're feeling just at a stage that you were talking about of hopelessness. And I know a lot of people are on major overwhelm. I've seen that pattern lately. We're coming yeah. off of COVID. I was just talking about this yesterday with someone. And it's like we went from this complete hermit going within mode to busy life's back on track and everyone's mm. feeling the anxiety of that. Absolutely. I'm seeing that in my community as well, again, which is primarily made up of empaths and highly sensitive people who are potentially prone to social anxiety and, you know, we're in isolation for so long. And, you know, I joke that I am an introvert at heart. And so I loved the time in some ways to be able to like hibernate and just like focus on myself, but that I realized that I really do need people. (laughs) Like I can't, like I'm not well if I'm just alone all the time. And I, I, kind of tricked myself into believing that like I'm an introvert and like I love to be alone and that's not not true but uh, I think what the pandemic taught me is that I also do need love and connection and support and I mentioned I'm a new mom and like this modern day village that we can create to support motherhood and children and I I think that that was a little bit eye-opening for me and how much I really do need people. And now that we're able to connect with more people, I am deeply craving friendship and community and ritual and connection that like just brings us into places of presence and vulnerability and opening our hearts to each other and sharing love and memories together. So I utilize breath work most often, at least at this phase in my journey, uh, to allow me to feel present in my body and and like energized to to be with people because I am still an introvert, but I love my people. (laughs) And um, also to work through any sort of like anxiety or um, like labeled negative emotions, whether it's, you know, frustration or resentment or um, bitterness or like fear around something. And the style of breath that I most often lean on, because there's many, many, many styles of breath and they, uh, for the most part, like serve different purposes. Uh, the breath I love is conscious connected breath. It's a three-part breath that goes inhale, inhale, exhale, and it's circular, meaning there's no pauses. And it's all done um, through either the mouth or the nose, depending on contraindications. But um, the safest way would just be to do it through your nose. You inhale to fill up your belly, inhale to fill up your chest, and then exhale all out your nose. And we do this for usually around 15 to 20 minutes. And Courtney, this breath, like it's changed my life. It sounds so simple, I know. But if you practice it or your listeners practice it, um, it's been described as like years and years of therapy uh, in one, you know, 20 minute session because it allows us to access the subconscious mind and to rewire parts of our brain, our neural pathways that um, may have been stuck or kind of habitually in one way or one pattern or one belief system that may not have served us. And 
allows us to kind of stretch that and reconsider that, to get curious about things. And that breath has really changed my life. It's a practice I lean into as often as possible because it inspires me. It creates clarity. It um, lets me connect to my intuition and get creative ideas. So that's one of the main modalities that I've been using. And I would summarize by just saying that the subconscious reprogramming practices or like the practices that connect me to my intuition seem to have the most lasting effect in my body versus um, I'm not against mindset work. I think mindset work is amazing and like affirmation work is powerful in its own right. But to really get that long-term effect, I feel like the intuitive and subconscious work is what I lean on um, to feel a shift in my actual like physical body. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's so important that we we acknowledge that we are intuitive beings. And so often we are taught and trained from such a young age to shut that down or that it's wrong. Yeah. And think in such a You're rational and logical way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I feel like empaths really get the short end of the stick here mm-hmm. as children because you're feeling so much and you're so open and connected as a child in general that adding on the layer of, you know, being an empath. And I I think it's so interesting too to hear true empath stories of when they were a child and what that looked like and having to be extra cautious around the parents or the patterns that present and um, how that carries on into adulthood. So I would love if you are open to it to discuss a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually teach um, five empath uh, patterns, or you could see them as wounds. I see them as not permanent. They are potentially patterns that we have leaned on, though, and they are a way of coping and navigating a world that like, arguably was not built or created for our depth of feeling um, or our nervous systems. And, you know, you're talking about like how people are like, you know, really stressed or overwhelmed right now. Like there's, there's so much to be taking in and processing as a human being on this planet. So I just want to validate that. And the, one of the patterns is the codependent empath. And what I see in this pattern is that Likely in childhood, these individuals felt that they had to attune to or pick up on the energy of people or a space or a room, oftentimes to be able to identify the the biggest threat um, or stressor in the room um, as a way to protect themselves and stay safe or avoid that stressor um, or please, especially a parent. It's like, if I can attune my energy close enough to my mother's energy, then I'll know when she's about to snap or when she um, needs me to like love her and give her affection to make her feel better. Mm. And um, it's really in some cases that, that the depth of empathy or empathic feeling is created because of chaos in our childhood or unsafe situations in our childhood so that this ability has developed to serve us and protect us in life. Um, that's obviously just like one of, of the five, but I do see that one very often. And it's one that, you know, like I can, I, I relate to, I resonate with um, feeling like I had to please my parents or um, fulfill their needs and being an empath 
who is so sensitive to energy and can pick up on the subtlest shifts and emotions or when someone's lying um, benefited me in that case. And so then what I had to do later in life was, well, for me, I then became the numb empath when I shut down completely for a while. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. another type. Um, so I got too overwhelmed. Okay, this is too much. So let me just numb everything out. And I was on like a lot of pain pills, prescribed pain pills, but I still um, use that as like this band-aid to what I was feeling. thought it could just take all my emotions away, like just get rid of them already. <laughs> and that didn't work. I ended up with numerous <laughs> chronic illnesses like I talked about. And uh, then it was through the, the death of my brother, Jordan, um, who, who passed away before my brother, Joe, that I really felt like I could no longer live that way anymore. Like I can no longer just shove shit down and shove it down and shove it down and shove it down and like hope everything is going to be okay. Like we were meant to feel things as human beings. And even though that sometimes certain emotions aren't seen as socially acceptable, like there are healthy ways to process all these emotions. I don't think any emotions are actually bad. And let me figure out like how I can start to feel and process these things in a way that feels safe and supportive and not too overwhelming for my sensitive nervous system. And then I re- uh, built the relationship to my sensitivity, my empathic powers and gifts and intuition in a way that now I use every single day. But it's, it came from a past of, of feeling like I had to be that way in order to protect myself or keep myself safe. Right. Oh, and I, I want to rewind a little bit. Mm -hmm. When you said, you said 17, one, seven doctors. Yes. Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine as a teenage girl being to that many doctors and not knowing how or having an answer or getting all these different answers and then having that layer of the sensitivity and not knowing or having the tools to cope with the nervous system in general, how did you navigate that? You know, I lost a lot of self-confidence during that time because I didn't know how to move through it. I, I, was, I was too young to know or it didn't have the tools to know how to kind of move through that. Right. And... I lost a lot of confidence because I felt like every doctor that I was seeing, this is the reason I went to 17 doctors, is they were just saying either you're fine. And in my heart of knowing, I knew I was not fine. Like something was wrong. Something, my intuition was still working, even if I wasn't listening to it 100%. Like, no, I, I do not feel okay. This is This does not feel normal. I know something is off, but you're telling me I'm fine or my labs are coming back fine. And then I would either receive that or I would receive, well, it's all in your head. And that just perpetuated this feeling of like, I can't, tr I can't trust myself. Maybe it is all in my head. Um, and what I know now is that a large part of it like was mental and emotional, but that doesn't equal crazy. <laughs> so it's just that the root was not in um, like a, let's say like a thyroid imbalance as far as my TSH like hormone levels go. And instead I was holding on to years of, um, let's say anger that were being stored energetically in my liver and my liver was backed up. My, this is true. My liver was not working very well. And so that doesn't necessarily like just show up on a, like a very straightforward blood test or lab test, but um, I could see it in my detox pathways that were all um, clogged up. And so I had horrible acne and like my skin was breaking out all the time because my liver was backed up, but it wasn't because I 
damaged my liver. It, and, and there's no way to like necessarily prove this, but through my experience, when I worked through years of resentment, bitterness, and anger that I had been winding up within me because I thought, I don't want to be the angry woman. I don't want to make anyone mad. I don't want to create conflict. It's bad to be angry. But when I actually started expressing it in a healthy pattern, a healthy outlet, my skin cleared up. And so to me, that was all the evidence I needed. It was like, okay, emotions have an impact on our physical body. So I um, didn't have those emotional healing tools when I was 17 years old or predating that as well. And I really wish I had. And like I mentioned, I'm a parent now. And I really hope that, you know, for my daughter and for future generations, we can give them more emotional intelligence tools to be able to work through emotions versus feel like they have to hide their emotions or um, shove their emotions down to one day explode. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. You know, I, I got to tell you the story. I was talking to my daughter who's seven mm-hmm. the other night and I had, you know, I have three kids and it was mm-hmm. just one of those days. Everyone was fighting. Everyone was screaming. And I lost, I lost my mommy ship for sure. Um, and at the end of the night we were talking and I was explaining to her why I was so upset. And we had this big talk and she goes, you know, I need to explain something to you. My feelings are like ice cubes and they break very easily. Mm. And I was like, my heart. I love that. They're so smart. They're so intuitive is what they are. They're like, oh my gosh, for a seven-year-old to be able to explain that her feelings are like ice cubes and break easily. I was just like, I had no words. I was like, I don't know whether to cry or high five you. (laughs) Both. (laughs) Oh, it is. It's like, there's an innocence and a pureness that I feel like we can at least briefly see in our children before the world like tells and projects all of its thing onto them and you know I'm figuring I don't have the answer to this I'm figuring this out as I go but I just my intention is to find ways to support that intuition that is inherent in all of our little babies um, so that my daughter Emerson doesn't feel like she ever has to like she's too much or too sensitive or has to be a certain way or has to repress her authentic emotions and again I don't know exactly how I'm going to do that yet but I am definitely committed to the process and figuring it out as I go I love the name Emerson Mm, thank you (laughs) that is so cute oh my gosh I love that she didn't have a name for the first almost 24 hours of her life because we went in there going well here's a couple names we like and we were just waiting to intuitively like meet her and then like get the feeling get the feeling of like who are you little being like little one who are you and finally it was it was one of the names out of our list but um we uh, just looked at her at her and we were like you're an emerson it it's meant to be so this is it got her name (laughs) i love it and for parents at home that are empaths parenting that's Mm -hmm. a whole nother layer in itself yeah um talking about sensory overload at times, which I'm sure you've experienced. I know I've experienced it. Um, What are some things that people can practice when they're getting, and, you know, I think everyone can relate to when I say that, that over sensory feeling too many feelings, feeling everyone in the room, how besides breath work, which is medicine within itself, like you were talking about, but Mm -hmm. how in the moment when you're like, Oh, can we step out of that? Yeah. 
And so here's the thing, like if you can literally step out of it and you can get some alone time and you can get a break, that's freaking fantastic. But one aspect of my life I haven't shared yet is that I'm parenting alone and I have been since December when my daughter was like seven months old. And so I have limited childcare right now. My husband and I are still together, but he is in a different state through most of this year. And so I have been, this has been very present in my life where I, my normal go-to is remove myself from all the chaos of the world and people's emotions and like go decompress. Or my favorite thing is a salt bath. The salt is so healing to like detoxify your body and and also like your emotions. And I sit in that hot salt bath and it does wonders for me. But I can't do that right now, at least not um, whenever I feel like it. And so <laughs> I've had to figure out and kind of like uh, implement some of my other tools that can be used in the moment when I can't just step away from my daughter because she's crying and it's activating my nervous system and now I'm stressed out and I want to scream but like I can't I can't walk away from her like we're in it together <laughs> so I primarily use tapping EFT in those moments where and it's something that you can even do with your kids or on your kids um at a certain age, you'll want to be like asking for their permission and their consent to do it. But when they're really little, they obviously can't give it. And it's like safe to, to tap on your kids. And what I mean by that is emotional freedom techniques and these tapping on the energy meridian endpoints um, that are mostly on your face. There's some on your chest, under your arm, top of your head. And as you tap on these specific energy meridian endpoints and you speak through, really, it's just your truth. You're saying, what is the uncomfortable feeling that you're experiencing? So for me, it's often this um, anxiety or this overwhelm. <laughs> Lots of overwhelm. I'm, I'm very sleep deprived these days because my daughter doesn't sleep that well. And uh, I'll tap and I'll, I'll say out loud or even in your mind, if you don't feel comfortable saying out loud, you can just say, you know, what is the thing that, that is uncomfortable for you right now? So again, this this overwhelm, this overwhelm, this exhaustion, this exhaustion as I tap through the points and the the science behind that is it's signaling to the amygdala, the part of your brain that's that's determining whether something is stressful or a threat or unsafe or not. You're essentially like turning that switch off. You're signaling that down. You're saying, it's okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. You don't feel well right now, but um, we don't need to imprint this into the brain that um, it's something you need to feel all the time or we don't need to attach um, this to something greater that you're going to experience again and again in, the li in life. And like I've mentioned before, it's another subconscious reprogramming tool where you're communicating directly to your brain in an in a easy, gentle, effective way to um, be tender with yourself, but also be true with yourself around the emotions you're feeling. And it's kind of like dampen the intensity of how deeply you're feeling them without trying to repress them. So I will tap often just like a lot of my day is spent on the floor playing with my daughter right now. So I'll tap while I'm sitting on the floor with her. I haven't started tapping on her. She's still pretty little and, um, you know, isn't verbal or anything. But I think it's a tool that we can use with our children as they do get older to help them move through, acknowledge, and um, support healthy, like, pathways in the brain around different emotions too. Absolutely. And I love the feeling when you're done tapping. It is like the biggest exhale. Yes. Yeah. And I think that for me, um, it was sort of unbelievable when I first started tapping. I'm like, wait, 
how do I feel this much pe- this much better from tapping on my my body? But uh, as as an empath and a highly sensitive person, I think that we're especially um, available to energy healing techniques like that. That like when we're shifting an energy in the body, like we feel it really deeply. And so I feel it really deeply, and there really is a big sense of relief at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I I love that, and I it. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. I, when I was going to school, one of my trainers was really in, we had to study tons of different modalities. And one of the things that we studied was, um, different cultures and their, mm-hmm. um, their belief systems and what works. And they did different types of tapping and like they did Chinese medicine tapping, they did traditional EFT tapping, They but it was, it was amazing. This one woman really stood out to me and she was showing which meridians to tap first thing in the morning to mm-hmm. wake up your body and center your nervous system. Because I feel like, especially when we're on that not so sexy part of spiritual healing, yeah, when we go to bed and first thing in the mornings are when we are the most susceptible to feeling not so hot. And yeah. so she did this. And I, at the time when I was in school, I was in not a good space. It was, it was very hard for me. And it was almost like this, band-aid to escape reality and go throw myself in my own healing journey through school mm-hmm. and but it worked and um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. um and so when I would practice this it was it was fascinating because I would wake up and I would have all these really yucky thoughts like you're a piece of shit you're this you're a horrible mother you you can't believe you've done this to your life like just yucky yucky things and our brain can, I mean we were we were just talking about this yesterday on a podcast, like we have this inner mean girl, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it shut it down. It made it completely dissipate. And granted, it didn't happen overnight. But mm-hmm. over a period of like, I would say three weeks, the thoughts just went away. Yeah. I, and so it's just, it's incredible to me, our energy systems, the meridians, our brain, our subconscious, how it all works together, mm-hmm. but they all are so separate. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So absolutely amazing. Okay. So I know a lot of people are going to want to connect with you after, ask questions. I could talk about your story for hours. It's incredible. And there's so many layers of it. (laughs) But where can the audience, where's your hub spot that your hangout zone that people can connect with you and reach out to you directly? Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. And there are so many layers that can be, yeah, dissected and unearthed and I'm sure everyone listening has that depth of, you know, layers within their existence as well. Um, But if they've resonated with my story, want to learn more, I'd be happy to like chat or to give you some resources. Uh, I would say the easiest place to connect with me, um, at least to start, is Instagram. I'm at The Uncensored Empath on Instagram. I also have a podcast that just came to completion after four years of weekly episodes. It's called The Uncensored Empath Podcast. It still exists. There's 212 episodes, so you can go back and you can watch or not watch, listen to as many as you'd like. There's still lots of juicy content and interviews and solo episodes in there for people, but they, um, they're just not new ones coming out. I'm taking a sacred pause and like revisiting it. 
<laughs> yes. After four years, I think I was ready. And I'm going to, I'm actually going through a little bit of rebranding right now. But um, those two places are a good way to get started. I also have a book called 21 Days of Healing that's available on Amazon um, under the author name Sarah Small. And you can find that as a workbook to work through. And a lot of the tools actually we talked about today are um, in there along with others that you might want to use on your healing journey. Absolutely amazing. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for just your vulnerable story and Mm. having the courage to share it with us and being on the show today. I appreciate you so much. Speaking of motherhood, here we are. (laughs) Uh, Girl, I feel you deeply. My daughter was crying five minutes ago. So (laughs) amen to that. Thank you for having me on, for bringing your real energy and for allowing me to share my story with your listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you have a takeaway or something from the conversation that really just resonated within your heart center, I would love to hear about it. Please leave it in the comment section so we can give you more of this content. As always, please subscribe, save, and sharing is caring. We love you to pieces. Have a beautiful and blessed day.